0: You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc.
1: We are in a series in 1 Corinthians, and it is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church in Corinth. This is a church that he planted. It's been five years since he's been there. Church there was going crazy. So he's writing this letter to correct their craziness. And uh, as we are uh, talking about... 1 Corinthians today, and the Apostle Paul, he was in Ephesus at the time when he was writing this letter to the church in, in uh, Corinth, and as he's writing to correct the recklessness and the, the wackiness and the weirdness in their church, um, he he rests on three chapters where he really spends a lot of time talking about spiritual gifts and the roles that we play in the church together when we gather together. It's chapters 12, 13, and 14, and Uh, In chapter 12, he introduces this idea of gifts and and how we work together as a family, and we're going to talk more about that next week. Uh, Chapter 13 uh, is in the middle. Uh, In chapter 14, I'm going to come back to 13. And chapter 14 is a letter that focuses primarily on tongues and prophecy, and that's what we talked about last week. But right in the middle, between the spiritual gifts... um, Bonanza of three chapters he gives a a, a letter of, of challenge in one little chapter that is one of the most quoted chapters in all of the New Testament. And that is a, a letter, uh, sorry, a uh, a chapter about love. Maybe you've heard of uh, of the love chapter, First Corinthians 13. It's it's uh, often read at weddings. It's often we, uh, read um, or written on cards for Valentine's Day and for special events. And um, I have these. Uh, got some burgers going on. All right. Kind of pre-made don't want to put that on. I get pre-made these little pieces here. This is the sweet stuff right here. All right. So he gets in the middle of this chapter. Obviously, it's not on. <laughs> yeah, this is nice. Um, he gets to talking about love. Now, in this chapter... We're like, this is perfect for dads, because on Father's Day, we're going to talk about what it means to be a great lover. And he says something pretty interesting and pretty neat in that chapter. He starts off by saying this. He starts off by saying, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. That means the spiritual gifts that encourage and build up. And he goes, but yet I will show you a most excellent way. Most excellent way. When I read that, I obviously thought of Bill and Ted's most excellent uh, adventure. Um, I'm a child of the 80s. It was like, Excellent. Yeah. So I'm like, so when I hear most excellent way, I'm like, excellent, dude, most excellent. Uh, But that's not what he's talking about. This is the most excellent way. What is the most excellent way? Well, our Father in heaven gives our fathers on earth a great picture of what to pursue, of what is the most excellent excellent way. So dads, this is for everybody, but dads, I particularly want to challenge you. This is the most excellent way. This is what you can pursue. This is what you're called to do. He said, he wraps it up in, in verse 13 uh, with this idea. And he says, what is the most excellent way? Well, he says it's these three are the most excellent way. Faith Hope and love, and the greatest of these is love. So, I thought I would illustrate this with a burger today, you know, since we all like, particularly, we like cooking out and grilling. So, we've got, I got three patties. I got faith, mmm, and I got hope, mmm, and the greatest of these is bacon, <laughs> is love. All right, so we got a triple-decker sandwich today and get this other bun. So there we go, this is our triple-decker and this is what we're gonna be talking about today. I'm gonna ask you guys to serve up what are you cooking? What are you serving? What's coming out of your life? What are you bringing your family? What are you giving to the to those around you? Today, as we kind of unpack faith, hope, love, in the greatest of these is love, Paul spends particularly a lot of time talking about the bacon. He spends a lot of time talking about that crunchy stuff that is so, so flavorful. He explains these three things. Faith is the idea that you can trust in the true and living God in God's goodness now. So faith is something you believe in now. Man, I believe that God is good now and that he's gonna do something now in my life. It's a very current thing. Hope, similar to faith, is a trust and assurance in God's goodness to come. It's a future uh, of of his return and an eternity with him forever. Faith is a now goodness. Hope is an assurance of a goodness it is to come. He says, these things will remain. Now, he's talking about spiritual gifts. and He says, all these spiritual gifts we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, they're all going to pass away. They're going to have an end to their season. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But he says, these three remain. Faith, hope, and love the greatest of these is love love here is a is not a song it's not a romance movie it's not a comedy romance it's a, it's not family love it's not even what you feel for your kids or for your spouse or or uh, for a brother or sister, this is much deeper. The word here is, many of you guys know is the word agape. So I'm actually going to refer to this as agape from now on. So as we read this love is, we're going to look at what agape is because sometimes when you just use the word love, it's not. it doesn't convey enough depth to really understand that this is a completely different thing than loving pizza and loving that TV show show. Agape is unconditional love. It's how it's most often defined, but I want to get a little bit deeper of what that means. It means this is a love that puts the needs and interests of others first. It has no boundaries and it does not change or expect repayment. Agape love, you don't give to receive. You just give with no payment at all. In fact, if you were to best define this word, agape is best defined as self-denying. So, when you think about agape, everything about agape is, is the opposite of what yourself wants. I like what it said. It's been said that love is always and never in our best interest. Listen to that again. Love is always and never in our best interest. That means it's always good, but it never feels good. It doesn't feel, you know, you know, love is, is truly agape when it does not feel always good that's with the self-denying aspect it is it is something that will bring good but it doesn't always feel good it's almost always never in our best interest so let's read 1 Corinthians 13 but I want to set the mood for this passages that we're going to read. So I need some background music. And so I've asked Tiny to play along uh, with his instrument and just bring some beautiful background mood music as we read this portion of scripture. So I'm going to let Tiny get ready and just kind of just kind of close your eyes and listen. You can follow the verse on the screen or in your Bible. And, and we're just going to give me something rock and roll. Give me something loud and up not give me a drum solo. All right. So just... Oh, he's getting ready. (laughs) All right, here we go. Are you ready, Tiny? Let's set this mood. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, I, but do not have love, I am nothing. I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I still gain nothing. Thank you, Tiny, that was beautiful. Now, so he goes, I couldn't understand that one single bit. Well, good, we're going to break it up together. And there was a reason why why I had him play. Let's take a look at this. This is the priority and the superiority of agape. Let's break this down. The most famous chapter, probably love chapter for sure, but possibly outside of Psalm 23, one of the most famous chapters in the entire Bible. Um, and of anything you could desire, dads, uh, you should desire this. Uh, we're serving up. What are you cooking? Faith, hope, and that sweet, crunchy goodness of love. Faith, hope, love. The greatest of these is love. Let's read it. First Corinthians 13, one says, If I speak in the tongues of men and or of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. It's just noise. See, that's why I had Tiny play, because as he played, as I was reading it, it without a sense of, of compassion, a sense of love, then, then you might know the passage, you might know the verse, but if it's not connected to agape, if it's not the fruit of agape, it just sounds like noise. I want you to write this down. Without agape, all that I say is ineffective. The world is impressed with great communicators. God is impressed with great lovers. Our words have power when motivated by love. That's why the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4, he says, Speak the truth in love. He doesn't just say speak the truth. I was talking to some leaders yesterday. We did a a, uh, a, a network gathering that, uh, that, we, that, that I lead, and, and it, it was on preaching that makes disciples. And one of the things I says, don't don't confuse being a jerk with being bold. You know, a lot of people think, I'm just bold. That's just my person. I don't know you're a jerk. I got the gift of prophecy, man. I'm a prophet in my personal life. No, you're a jerk, right? Don't confuse being a jerk with being bold. We ought to speak the truth, yes, in love. So if I speak, if it's without agape, all that I say is ineffective. And then he goes on, verse two, he says, if I have the gift of prophecy, that's revelatory proclamation of God's word, he says, I can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge scriptural knowledge, spiritual knowledge. I can fathom all mysteries, but if I have not love, I am nothing. Write this down, without agape, all that I know is incomplete knowledge is another area in life that people are often impressed with they like that 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 MA that PhD the 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 uh, the many different titles you know um, and, and the the education the school the location uh, the degree and those are all wonderful beautiful things and I have no problem with those at all and and the world is particularly is impressed with them but God is not impressed with your education or your knowledge because if you do not have agape your knowledge is incomplete. You still know nothing. You can be smart, successful, athletic, wealthy, even know a lot about the Bible. But if you have no agape, if you do not have love, you are not impressive to God for sure. But you're, the Bible says, I am nothing. We're in a knowledge explosion I mean, we have, I mean, when I was a kid, if I wanted to know something, I either had to go to the library uh, or look in an encyclopedia that was at our house, everybody had an encyclopedia, or I just didn't worry about it, right? You'd be like, what's the name of that movie? I don't know. I guess I'll just never know. But it's like, no, I've got to know now. And you're like, Google, what is in the Siri? What is, you know, we we are obsessed with information now. We have a knowledge and information explosion, but we still are some of the most unloving people this generation has ever seen. 1 Corinthians 8, 1 says, knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. With all this knowledge, we're no more satisfied or fulfilled. Because without agape, all I know is incomplete. He goes on, verse 2, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. Write this down. With, without agape, all that I believe is insufficient. Man, you could have so many Bible verses quoted. You could pray like nobody's business. You could have faith to see. Man, I'm just believing. I know. I, man, I'm trusting God. You could talk the talk and 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 I have this just expression of faith. And man, people might think you're very spiritual. And you might have all the the checks points on what to believe in right. But without agape, all that you believe is insufficient. Some people erroneously believe that all there is to being a Christian is believing. But guess what? The devil believes too. Every demon in hell believes. In fact, they saw it. They saw Jesus crucified. They saw him buried. They saw him rise from the dead. They they are believers. But they are not born again because it is not just believing it is, a, it is a surrender to the Lordship of Christ, which results in a change in how we respond to people. One of the very first fruits of the Spirit, when you are born again, the Holy Spirit moves in. The very first fruit of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians 5 is love. I often say, you know, you might, some, somebody gives their life to Jesus and maybe they struggle with certain areas of their life, you know, for a while. You know, maybe they, they just can't get hold of their language and their tongue is just filled with, with swearing. Or maybe they just can't kick that the cigarettes. Or maybe they just have, have some other habits or something they're working on. That God's working on it. But I tell you, the primary fruit, the very first evidence, I think, of the Holy Spirit moving in is Love. Love, love, love is is so much, so often mentioned in every letter of the New Testament. Jesus talks about it over and over. Without agape, what I believe is insignificant. Galatians 5, 6 says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. It's Galatians 5, 6. Compassionate love moves and motivates through true faith. First Corinthians 13:3 he goes on to say if i give all my possessions or if i give all i possess to the poor but have not love i gain nothing man you could give everything you have you could man you could be sac- self sacrificial you could give money to the church or money at work or money to that kid that comes to your door and you could be a nice person who's just buying people's lunches and and living lean so that you can you know be a giver And you could give everything that you have to the poor. You could just be a super kind, generous person. But if you don't have agape, you're still nothing. Without agape, write this down, all that I give is immaterial. We usually give for the wrong reasons anyhow. We oftentimes give for recognition, for control, for guilt, for obligation, or to feel good. That's how you know agape Is real, because agape is self-denial and it expects nothing in return. And oftentimes we give at least for a good feeling. We're not gonna give to where it doesn't where we feel like it doesn't get used right, or we don't give because it doesn't make us feel right. Listen, agape operates totally different. People who give for the wrong reasons begin to resent giving when it's not given in the in the way that they think it should be given or spent. Giving coupled by love, man, a heart for people, the nations, the lost, the needy results and sacrifice without regret, with no payback intended. That's agape generosity. But without agape, then all that you give is immaterial. He goes on to say, verse three, he says, and if I surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Now, what's that mean? He says, in the context of what he's saying, when I Sacrifice my body to the flames. That means I might give my life for the name of Jesus because that was at a time when Christians were often persecuted, killed, uh, even torched alive, put to death for their faith in Christ. He says, I could die in the name of Jesus. I could, I could give my life. I could surrender my body to the flames of sacrifice for God. But if I have not love, I gain nothing without agape write this down all that i accomplish is inadequate one day god will audit our life and he will not focus on our accomplishments or our bank account but he will focus and evaluate on our relationships and how we loved he's not gonna look at the things that we did for God, the things that we did for church, the things that we did on mission, the things that we did. He's gonna look at how we loved. That's the account that we are filling. Without agape, all that I accomplished is inadequate. Success without love is nothing. It's empty, we see it every day. In In the famous, in the wealthy, we see it. They have everything that you could imagine but they're still unhappy, they're still unfulfilled, they're still empty, because life minus love equals emptiness, equals nothing. Colossians 3.12 says, therefore as, God, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself, put on, Wear this daily. You don't leave the house naked. Clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, with patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And overall, and above it all, the greatest of all of these, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. See, love is not the gold package. How do we live like this? Is it possible? Well, chapter 13 defines agape for us. This is a great picture of fatherhood. This is a a great picture of our father who is embodied in Jesus Christ who has given us his spirit so that we can walk in this same picture of our father. So the greatest picture of fatherhood, really love of any kind. Paul defines it. He gives us seven Christ-like qualities and seven uh, un-Christ-like qualities. And this is the famous passage right here. Verse four, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in the evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Isn't that awesome? I'll tell you, there's 17 things he talks about. Seven Christ-like, unchrist un-Christ-like issues. I'm not going to go over all of them. I want to give you four things to know about agape. Four things to know about this kind of a dynamic love. And this is the first thing. Agape is a choice. Agape is a choice. We read this, this section And we want that kind of love, but do we give that kind of love? You see, you get to choose to be this kind of person, Dad. You get to choose to be this kind of person, friend, mother, whoever you are. You get to choose this. You choose to love, and you choose not to love. All of these are a fruit of the Spirit that are a choice for us to walk in. See, a myth of love is that love is uncontrollable. I just fell in love, I couldn't help it. No, you fell into infatuation, or you fell into lust. You don't fall into love like you fell into a ditch. (laughs) You know, oops, I fell into love, I just gotta help it. That's not true love. True love can, agape love, you can help it. This is the power of agape. It's not letter controlled by feelings. Remember, the the primary definition of agape is self-denial. So agape is not something that will always feel good. So you do it anyhow, even though it doesn't feel good, that's the choice you make. That's what makes it agape. Now I've got this commercial I wanna show you guys. And now this commercial was so controversial last year. And and I I really don't know why, because the first time I saw it, I'm like, where's the controversy? Because all it does is challenge men to just be better. And then I thought, you know what? There's a lot of men who just don't like to be told that they need to change, that they need to be more loving, that they need to be more considerate. Like, well, I'm a man, you know? And you just get all grumpy and fussy. How dare this corporation lecture me on how to be a man. Listen, just let God use a secular commercial to challenge you for just a minute. This is a commercial that caused a whole lot of trouble it gets an incredible amount of flack still today. If you were to read the comments on YouTube, you would think, you know, that this was some sort of, like, disastrous, hate your children, hate the world, hate people, hate men type of commercial. It's not. You be the judge, check out this commercial, tell me what you think. Bullying. The Me Too the movement against sexual harassment. masculinity. Is this the
0: best a man can get? Is it a uh, problem we can't hide from
1: it Sexual harassment is taking
0: over it's been going on far too long we can't laugh it off who's the
1: daddy <laughs> what I actually think she's trying to say
0: making the same old excuses.
1: Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys.
0: But something boys. finally changed. Allegations regarding sexual assault and sexual harassment. She wants, but she says we're And there will be no going back. Because we, we believe in the best in men. Men need to hold other men accountable. Smile, sweetie. Come on. To say the right thing. To act the right way. not cool. Not cool. Some already are in ways big Young men, oh, shit. and small. I am strong. I am strong. But some is not enough. It's not how we treat each other, okay? Okay. Because the boys watching today.
1: commercials cause a lot of controversy. It bothers a lot of men. And some of you might be wondering, yeah, it bothers me. And some of you are like, I don't get why. And, and I think if we are motivated by agape, if we're motivated by love and we're honest with ourselves and with... Men have not been treating people correct. We have, we, we have been... Promoting kind of an arrogance opposite of what this passage says. Let's take a look at this passage because ask yourself these questions. I mean, this is this is a challenge. I mean, I, this it's not a perfect commercial. Again, it's a corporate company. You know, people are upset. Well, how dare this company that does this try to lecture me? Just just be a teachable right here for a moment. This is what this passage says. Ask yourself. It says, "Love is patient." Ask yourself. Do I give others the same room to make mistakes as I want to give them? Love is kind. Ask yourself, do the people I work with actually like being around me? Love does not envy. Ask yourself, do I see others' blessings as a threat to what I think I deserve? Love does not boast. Ask yourself, do I feel I need to remind people how great I am or try to make myself look better? Love is not proud. Ask yourself, do I feel like I have to have all the answers? Love is not rude. Ask yourself, do I give my spouse and my kids a chance to be heard? Or do I constantly cut them off? Love is not self seeking. Ask yourself, do I make the arguments with my wife about what I want? Love is not easily angered. Ask yourself, are my kids afraid to talk to me? Do I have a short fuse? Love keeps no record of wrongs. Ask yourself, do I I remind people of their past mistakes for my own leverage? Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. Ask yourself, do I laugh or make fun of others' failures? Are people able to speak uh, honestly with me about their own struggles? Love always Protects. Ask yourself, does your spouse know you have their back? Do your friends know you're going to be there? Do they know that you can be counted on? Love always hopes. Ask yourself, do you assume the worst in people or the best in people? Love always perseveres. Ask yourself, am I quick to give up on relationships? Love never fails. Love doesn't walk out on you. Love is not a feeling. When you choose to love, even when you don't like it, it's actually a greater expression of love. And I think we could all be a little bit better at agape. So agape is a choice. Here's the second thing. Agape is an action. It's something that we... We must not just say and something that we must know or believe, but it's also something we must accomplish and do. It's not something we start and then finish. Done. Agape. I've, I've loved this person all that I could love. I'm just, I just, they're just, oh, you know, I've done all that I can. Agape has no finish line. You could spend your whole life and still be working on Agape. You can spend your whole life and still be working on that person and God working on you on how to love them better. It is perpetual movement. Notice in this chapter, it says, love is, love is, love is, love is. That word literally means love does, love does, love does this, love does this, love does this. Agape is this, agape does this, agape walks in this. This is what agape does. Love is getting up in the middle of the night with a sick child. Love is patient when your uh, husband or wife is uptight and acting like a jerk. Love is, is being kind when your spouse is irritable and negative. Love is giving a person what they need, not what they deserve. Agape is action. Here's the third thing. Agape is not optional. See, these passages are not an optional quality. They are not the gold package for Christians. They're not the extra credit. Agape is not something that you hope to get to or add on to one day. It is the core, it is the primary fruit of those that are truly in Christ. Christ talked about it so much. The absence of it renders everything else we do worthless. Paul already said that. Everything that we do, everything that we accomplish, every scripture, ministry, event, outreach, every kind deed, every nice thing, without love, it renders all of it worthless. Jesus said this in John 13, verse 34 and 35. It says, a new command. All right, now we've heard this before right? We've heard this verse before. So when we read this, it doesn't make sense. A new command, everybody knows this command, love each other, right? But see, this was not something that was normal for them. It says, a new command I give you, agape, love one another, agape one another, as I have agaped you, you must agape one another. What is new about this? Well, it's still new to us. It's still new to us. You're like, I know what this verse says, love one another. No, it says agape one another. Self-denying, self-sacrificial, without change, giving until it hurts, expecting nothing back kind of love. He says, this is the kind of love I give to you, and I'm asking you, I'm commanding you, I'm telling you. This is not a request. This is a command. I'm commanding you. If you're my disciple, you will agape. You see, the world operates on a give-to-get and a give to those who deserve it type of mentality, right? So I don't care about the world. I just love my family. Well, that's not agape. You know, they've hurt me. They've hurt my family. They're dead to me. Well, that's not agape. This is is the command. This is the command I give you. This is the kind of love by this, everyone will know you're my disciples, Mathetus. By this, everyone will know that you're mine. By your love, by your agape for one another. <laughs> it's heavy. Not by your kind deeds, not by being a nice person, but by agape. The primary identifier of someone who really has Jesus is agape. It is the byproduct it is the fruit. It is what grows out of someone who's rooted in Christ. This—it's the fruit that drops off the branches of our life. Jesus said, "The world will know you by your love." A primary reason the world loathes the church and loathes Christians is because Christians, honestly, we're not very good agape people. We're not good agape people. We might. We might. You know. Pretend we might have this attitude, and we might have this spirituality, but then we're actually really filled with a lot of hate and a lot of judgmental attitudes, and a lot of negativity. So the world will know that you're mine by your agape. If we don't have it, 1 John 4, you might write this down. John says, If we don't have it, if we don't have agape, we don't have God. That's what John says, the apostle of Jesus. How can we possibly love like that? How is it possible to do this? I mean, we're reading this, you're like, man, that seems like something only Jesus could do. Well, God wouldn't inspire the Apostle Paul for us to live this if he didn't think that we could do it, if God didn't think we could do this. we're like, well, I'm not perfect. I'm not like Jesus. I'm going to try, you know, I'm going to try these things. Now, how do we do this? Write this down. There's one who's done it. There's one who models it, and he loves us this way. His name is Jesus. Number four, write this down. We must know love to give love. If you know this kind of love, if you truly... See, here's the problem with most Christians. They have an accounting view of God only. They have a, a, a kind of a balance they have a scale. And I'm like, as long as I'm a pretty decent person, then, then I believe that God is going to love me and that I deserve salvation. And if I'm kind of a decent person, then I can still be kind of a jerk sometimes as long as my good things outweigh my kind of bad attitude. And if, and if, I, if the scale's just right, then I'll look in the mirror and go, yeah, I kind of deserve Jesus. Yeah, I kind of do. De- yeah, thank you, Jesus, for the cross. I'm not a good person, but, you know, I try... You know, we we look at God like it's, and and we value our, our relationship with God. We think the same how God values us based upon our deeds, based upon our, we say we don't, but yet we live that way all the time. Listen, God doesn't love you more if you read your Bible. He doesn't love you more if you pray. He doesn't love you more if you go to church every day and if you're super spiritual and if you never cuss and if you go on every mission trip. He doesn't love you more. His love is perfect. His love is unchanging. He loves you now. Today, the same and the greatest and the most powerful kind of love you could ever imagine your entire life, He loves you right now, the greatest He'll ever love you because it's perfect and right now it's great. But here's the difference, when we, when we do read our Bible, he doesn't love us more, but we know his love more. And when we pray, he doesn't love us more, but we can understand and experience that love more. But he doesn't love you more when you do these things, but we still have this kind of mentality that if I just do good things and maybe my prayers will be answered, if I do good things, then maybe God will like me a little bit more. And we do the same to others. And we, so we have a limit and we grade and we constantly are scaling others, weighing their good deeds. Well, they're a pretty decent person. Yeah, they make mistakes, so I'm going to forgive them because you're pretty decent. What if they're not a decent person? What if they're a terrible person? That's agape when you love. And when you know this kind of love, you can give this kind of love. And that's why I think a lot of Christians struggle with giving this kind of love, because they don't know it. They're still living on a scale, trying to measure up and deserve God somehow. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six 36 to 39, uh, Jesus is talking about this. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, Mark says, and all your strength. Matthew says, and this is the gr- first and greatest commandment, and the second is this, love your neighbor. That's Agape as yourself. See, that's the problem with some of you. You can't give love or receive love because you don't know love and you don't love yourself. For some, the pain of growing up and not having love has affected your ability to love and to show love in a healthy way. You know, there's a, a vacuum, a father vacuum You know, Father's Day is hard for some because fathers haven't always been there. You know, mothers have been pretty consistently there. Some mothers have been absent. But the reputation is dads can be disconnected and, you know, removed. Three things that happen... Three ways we respond to the lack of love, this is not in your notes, but if you want to take a screenshot, it says, uh, when we don't have a healthy love, dad, this is kind of what happens when you don't give your kids the kind of love that God's called you to give them. Uh, What happens is without healthy love, we desperately look for it. It's the touch me mentality. They become promiscuous. I just want love so bad. I'll let anybody love me. I'll let anybody touch me. I'm just so hungry for affection. And then the second one is we become a shell and run from it. That's the please don't touch me people. I'm so, I feel so unloved that I don't feel like I deserve love, so don't touch me. So there's the please touch me, and then there's the don't touch me, and then there's the third response, and that is some loathe themselves and look for abusive relationships. They're willing to settle for anybody that will give them any kind of attention, even if it's abusive relationships. When we don't give and receive, when we don't understand and we haven't been around healthy love, we respond in pretty unhealthy ways. I want to tell you something right now. God loves you. He gave it all for you. He's a father to the fatherless and our sin was not going to stop him. The cross is the answer. John 3, 16, we know this verse, that God so agape, the God so agape, unconditionally self-denying, giving with nothing in return. He did not need you. God does does not need you. He doesn't want to know you. He already knows everything about you. He's omniscient. He knows everything about you. He doesn't need you. He's self-sufficient. He is all-powerful. He doesn't need you. Why would he die for you? Because he loves you. He agapes you. Self-denial. Unconditional. No payment expected. For God so agaped the world that he gave his only son whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the dynamic love of God that heals and forgives. Knowing this kind of love that forgives and covers our sins through the Spirit enables us to kind of give the kind of love that we never imagined. So what kind of, what kind of love are you cooking up? Faith, hope, love, and the greatest of these is love. It may be hard to see. And the greatest of these is love what are you cooking up, dad? What are you cooking up? Maybe you're not a dad. What are are you cooking up? What what is your life? What are you serving your family? When they think about you, what do they think? Do they think, well, you're tough? They think you're quiet or you're harsh. Or they may think you're hardworking. Or they may think, man, great beard, (laughs) you know, strong, reliable. The greatest thing you could ever serve up is faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of those three is love. What if, Dad, one day, our plan, my plan is, is for my kids to outlive me. If you're a dad, that's your plan. Sometimes plans don't always work that way. Sometimes our kids leave before us, leave this life. But my plan is to, is to die before my kids die, and they're going to talk about me. And I hope of all the things they say, that they have a lot of good things to say, first of all. And I wouldn't mind if it's some of those things that I mentioned, I don't, except for harsh, I don't wanna be harsh. But I hope the greatest is love. Man, he had a great faith. And he had a great faith, he was a man of God. Man, he, he was so hopeful, so positive, so encouraging. But man, his love, that's what I miss. That's what I want. So Paul defines this. Paul defines this. And he tells us. I'm going to wrap up this chapter. We're just going to read it, and we're going to close in prayer. Verse 8, he says, but there are prophecies, and they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. And when there is a word of knowledge or knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and prophesy in part, that means all these spiritual gifts, our possessions, our accomplishments, they'll all fade. But when completeness comes, what is the part, uh, what is in part disappears. Now, what is complete or what is perfect that is coming is Christ Jesus. When Christ appears, we won't need the spiritual gifts, but faith, hope, and love will remain. Verse 11, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put away, uh, put the ways of childhood behind me. It's time to grow up, dad. It's time to be a man. It's time to be agape. Now this life is, is, is like being a simple-minded child. He says, there's a day when Jesus, when that which is perfect comes, living this life is like being a child who knows very little, but when Jesus comes, I'll be, I'll be a man. I'll be known. I'll be mature. I'll be grown up. He says, um, for we now only see uh, a reflection in a mirror. We only understand a little bit. We understand what God will, will give us about uh, ourselves and about Himself. Uh, we shall, when He comes, however, we shall see Him face to face. And, and now I know Him part in this life. Uh, then I shall be fully known as I uh, am fully known. When Christ returns, man. Some of you, your dads have gone on, and they loved Jesus, but they were imperfect. All that you love about him, you're going to know him fully. Isn't that good news? And these are the three that, re- that will remain forever, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. First Corinthians 14, one says, the very next verse, it says, follow the way and eagerly deserve, uh, follow the way of love. I like how the Living Bible says, uh, says make your primary aim love. What's your aim? What are you aiming for? And we aim for a lot of stuff. Knowledge, education, success, money, power, respect. The aim is not a family. The aim is not a house. The aim is not a decent job and friends. The aim is love. So dad's Open up that grill today, the figurative grill, and, uh, and make yourself something that is delicious to everyone around you. And one day they'll be talking about you, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest mm, is love. Let's pray. God, thank you so much, Lord. That you love us. God, I thank you, Lord, that we have some men here, God, that truly want to be agape lovers. Lord, I pray for them this morning. God, help us to, to be the men, the families, the, the the fathers, God, that we're called to be. I'm going to ask all the dads to just stand up where you are. Just go ahead and stand up, Dad. If you're a dad, whether your kids are here or not, if you could stand And I'm going to ask those of you that are around these guys uh, to put your hands around them or on them, reach out to them. I'm going to pray for our dads today. <clears throat> God, I thank you so much for dads that are striving to know you, striving and pursuing to live as men of love and compassion that are strong and faithful, but are gentle and loving. God, I pray for these men that they would uh, be challenged this morning to walk out as agape lovers, Lord, that that when when the sun sets, God, what will be said about our life will be, man, he was a great man of love, a great man. My father, I miss my dad because he could give the best hugs. He could could give the best encouragement. Thank you, God, for dads that, that are pursuing this. And the mark that they leave because, God, we're always, always looking to dads as long as we live. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.